No, bueno. Oh, hi, is this Frank? Bueno. Oh, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong number. Okay, thank you. Hey there, it's Mark Renison from Third Shot Sports, and welcome to Pickleball Problems. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that normally what we do is we take some pickleball issues, some pickleball problems people might have, and try to solve them, try to work through those problems together and come out with a, a nice, tidy solution. This week on the show, though, things are a little bit different, as you might have heard from the start of this podcast. This week, we are giving you a sneak peek, or rather a sneak listen, to an interview I did for our sister project, The Pickleball Lab. And this week on the show, I'm interviewing Frank Anthony Davis. And for The Pickleball Lab, we did this really long 41-minute interview where we got into all sorts of really interesting details about uh, some of the finer points of pickleball, some of the training that goes into his playing, what he's doing to become as uh, strong a player as he is now, clearly in the top 10, and a lot of people would argue in the top 5 when it comes to singles pickleball, after major wins over players like Kyle Yates and Tyson McGuffin. So that's all over at the Pickleball Lab. Now, Pickleball Lab is a subscription service that we offer, and I really think you're going to like being a member of it. Head over to thepickleballlab.com to take it for a, a test drive if you want. But today we have uh, an excerpt from that call, from that interview I did with Frank, and I uh, really think you're going to like it. So now that I've dealt with um, calling the wrong guy, let's give Frank a call. Hello? Hey, Frank, it's Mark. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm great. I, um, I just called your number neighbor. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, like I got the last digit wrong by like four, and uh, this guy answered the phone and like was a Spanish speaker, and <laughs> I was like, uh, "This doesn't sound like Frank." <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, I didn't ask him anything about pickleball, but I saw that number neighbor trend on Twitter. Yeah, like I, calling, you know? <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it for a long time. You've got one guy who's off by four digits on the last number, and uh, I don't know, he's got a very rich, deep Mexican speaking voice. It was, it was very, it was nice. Thank you, <laughs> you, should, you should give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the show. I'm very glad to have a good friend of mine, pickleball friend, Frank Anthony Davis. Uh, Frank is someone who you will see if you are an avid fan of YouTube videos playing, uh, people playing pickleball. You'll see highlight reel shots with him. Uh, and you can't miss him when he's on the court. He's got the big FAD logo on hats and T-shirts and paddles. Um, Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, so I want to start. I want to I get into um, more pickleball-y stuff uh, shortly. But I kind of want to start with your backstory a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that everyone knows. People will see you out on the course, and they'll see you playing, and they'll see you online. Um, but I'm wondering if you could, like, tell me a little bit about your background. Like, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? And, like, how did sort of all of that lead into you playing pickleball? I don't really come from any, any sort of, like, tennis background or anything like that. It's typical. Um, for me, I, uh, I live in... Um, New Jersey, Bridgeton, New Jersey, which is just south of Philadelphia. I live there with my wife. So, like, did you grow up? Is it? Did you say Bridgetown? 
New Jersey? Yeah, I grew up in, in um, actually, it's, the city I grew up in is uh, Bridgeton, New Jersey, but I grew up in a township called Stowe Creek. Mm-hmm. Very, very small, small town. I mean, my, my eighth grade graduating class had like 11 people in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so do you ever, that do, you was go, kind of like, do you have ties back oh, there okay. now? Do you go back, do you go back there now and visit or? Yeah, actually both my parents still live um, in the houses that I grew up in. My parents are separated. So I kind of grew up in two different parts of the township, but yeah. very close. So what's that like going back now and what's the pickleball scene there? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's even a tennis court in the entire township. I actually, um, before football, I, I was really big into uh, skateboarding. I actually became uh, a sponsored skateboarder for a long time. That is like a that is that is a fact that I think a lot of people would not know about you, Frank Davis, out there ripping it up in the skate park. That yeah, I I <laughs> was pretty good at skateboarding back in the day. That's, yeah, it's uh, true. Well, okay, so um, so fast forward for me a little bit. Uh, how do you make this transition? from you and the gang of brothers and siblings skateboarding and hunting to pickleball? Like, how does that happen? So, um, in high school, one of my best friends, um, I became friends with a guy named uh, Bobby Kobolinski. He's still my best friend to this day. We graduated, a couple years went by, we stayed in touch. Uh, he went to Rowan University for physical education, so he's a gym teacher now. Um, in his rotation at Rowan, they actually teach the phys ed teachers pickleball, which is pretty cool. Hmm. So he learned it, uh, kind of just played with, you know, the other students and everything. And he, he called me and said, dude, we, we've got to try this. It's super, super fun. He was a big tennis player. He was actually uh, in senior year of high school. They, his, uh, our tennis team, he was the uh, number one doubles player. They got second place in the state finals. So he was a he was a pretty good level tennis player. Yeah. Um athletic and we really like playing a lot of like sports together. So anyway, uh he tells me, dude, we gotta try this, whatever. So we order some of those uh paddles on, on I think we ordered them on eBay. We get together, we tape down some lines on the tennis court, and we actually from there we loved it. Him and I played just singles for from over two years, uh, before we even knew that doubles existed or people played doubles, just singles straight up. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Um, and do, do you still play with Bobby now? Is Bobby still around? He's, he's got a very busy schedule. Um, obviously being a, a teacher is, is like a more than a 40 hour a week job. Um, but in the summertime, we get together quite a bit. I actually played with him a couple weeks ago. Um, and he's still, he's still super good. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't have much time to, to really commit to it, but I mean, his talent level is, is absurd. Yeah. So. Well, so something I want to talk to you about singles versus doubles, but before I do, um, so I'm wondering if, if there's anyone who hasn't seen you play, right? Maybe they've heard your name or, or whatever, but they haven't seen you play yet. I'm wondering how, I know how I would describe the way you play, but I'm wondering how you would describe the way that you play pickleball. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I, I, I am a single specialist. I'm, I'm a, I'm a very good doubles player, but I, I'm 
you know, like a top end singles player, like singles is my favorite. I kind of prioritize it in my training and in my competition. So that's, that's kind of the most important thing to know. Other than that, I mean, I, I would say the most recognizable thing about me is, is my speed, my foot speed. I, I pretty much will fight for every single point. You think you hit a winner. I'm going to make you hit another ball and then another ball and then another ball. So I would say tenacity um, and speed would be the, the two biggest, biggest adjectives that I would use to describe myself. Yeah. I mean, I would have said, so we've had, you and I've had, um, I mean, I feel lucky enough that we've had some matches together and there are matches to me that are um, some of my most memorable and not because of like I won or I lost or whatever, like, uh, to be honest, often I don't even remember, but to me, um, like, I felt like we've had such good battles out there and you're right. The thing that stood out to me, I can't remember. I mean, I learned my lesson after not too long, but times where I would hit a ball, a volley at the net to the open court, where I was sure this was like a clean winner. And I would start turning around and walking back to the baseline. And then I would hear like one more later, like pop. And then the ball was coming back. And it was unbelievable how many times, like how hard I had to work to finish the points when I was playing you. And, um, yeah. and I, it sounds to me like that's sort of like by design and that's deliberate and that's sort of like a trademark of your game. Absolutely. That's, that's something that, that I take pride in. I, I want my opponent to hit another ball. I want them to work harder because when you get in that mindset, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to get you to think, what do I have to do to hit a winner against this guy? Do I have to hit the line? And then suddenly I've got you going for lower percentage shots, you know? Right. Because I've got to be so perfect in order to get it by you that all of a sudden I'm taking more risk than I otherwise would. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, I mean, you, you like, you've got to be just doing something right. I mean, in the last year or so, I mean, you've, you've always been a good player and a strong player, but it's really been in the last, I'd say year, 18 months that I really have noticed, um, there seems to be this real sort of like push that you're making. And, you know, you've had like major wins over players like Kyle Yates or Tyson McGuffin or like, is that sound about right? That there's been kind of like a, I don't know, the, the afterburners are on or something like over the last little while, is there something that's been, um, that you've been doing differently to kind of make the move that you've been making? All right, hang on for 30 seconds. And we're going to find out about Frank's afterburners. In the beginning, we gave you unlimited power and asked just one thing in return. Just one thing. Just keep it in. What were we thinking? Mistakes were made. Lives were lost. But this time, just relax. We've got you covered. Selkirk. Power. Control. No compromise. You've always been a good player and a strong player, but it's really been in the last, I'd say, year, 18 months that I really have noticed um, there seems to be this real sort of like push that you're making. And, you know, you've had like major wins over players like Kyle Yates or Tyson McGuffin or like, is that sound about right? That there's been kind of like a, I don't know, the, the afterburners are on or something like over the last little while. Is there something that's been um, that you've been doing differently to kind of make the move that you've been making? Yeah, there's, there's actually, it's, it's a very intentional and um, 
sort of by design thing because I kind of I kind of had a rough year last year, not just with pickleball. I mean, it wasn't the best pickleball year ever, but just a rough and just you know being stressed with work and going through some some changes and everything. And I realized towards the end of the year, actually right right around New Year's, that I played a tournament and I just realized I was like, I'm just not having fun playing pickleball. Like I. I feel like it's stressing me out more than I'm enjoying it or getting anything out of it. And I really kind of took a serious step back and, and, you know, you know, my wife, Josie, we kind of saw, we kind of talked about it and figured out what we want to do with our lives and how pickleball is involved in that. And um, it ended up uh, that, that year I, I, uh, I changed pickleball contracts. So I got, a new sponsorship with Hudef Fort Pickleball. So that was kind of a thing, you know, that gave me some motivation to, to work for them and kind of show them, you know, like the respect that they show me and, and, and really make it worth their time. And uh, so they can get some value out of me repping their brand. Um, but it was more than that. It was, it was a personal effort to see like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like you said, it's like, you said, I've always been a good player, you know, but now I've, I kind of took that and I thought, do I want to be just good? Because I think I'm athletic enough. I think I'm talented enough to, to be a top player, you know, and especially in the singles game. I, I feel like I have the, the like lucky, like fortunate ability that not everyone has. And, and, and the sport is, is growing so fast right now. So I feel like, there's this window of opportunity that I have to kind of make a push. And I really took that and I I'm taking it seriously now. Like I really want to make my results mean something. So that was kind of the mental side of it, the commitment side. And I think that's, that's the most important thing, but physically um, I started uh, an exercise program. I started kind of like dieting and working out and that's kind of a, a huge commitment. I mean, it's an, commitment to wake up at 6 a.m. hour every single day to make sure you're eating right every single day and I, I literally it sounds like a new year's resolution but I did I did actually start that January 1st of this year mm. um, and other than that I mean it's been a huge blessing for me that uh, my good friend Colin Johns moved to Maryland mm. so we get to train a couple times a week when I'm home that's uh, really helpful to have somebody else who is in good shape as well, who can, you know, run back and forth drills with me. Um, but yeah, so, so January 1st, I started that program, um, mentally committed to it, physically committed to it. And the crazy story of the year for me, I mean, it's still, you know, being Tyson a few weeks ago was huge, but, uh, and my biggest win of the year was probably Chicago open against Kyle in the final. Uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Yates in the final, but the the turning point for me, the thing that made my year, was beating Kyle Yates in the second round of the U.S. Open. Um, you might not know this, Mark, but I've played Kyle um, eighteen times. In oh wow, wow! And these aren't just like practice matches; these are like eighteen competitive tournament matches. If you count practice matches, we're in the thirties or forties. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, these were actual tournament matches. 
Um, and I think going back to like 2015, 2014, we played like eight or nine of them were finals, gold medal finals. Mm-hmm. And he beat me 16 times in a row. <laughs> so if you want to talk about something that's motivating, um, so that was my first win against him at the U.S. Open second round. And then I, I kind of backed it up in Chicago to beat him in the final. So that's, that's just for me, like motivation-wise, that was just a huge, huge, huge win. Hey there, it's Mark. Um, before we get to the third and final part of my conversation with Frank Anthony Davis, just want to remind you about our new project, thepickleballlab.com. Pickleball Lab is this experimental project that we're doing, and it's a subscription service for pickleball. To be honest with you, as well as it providing really awesome exclusive content that we don't publish anywhere else, the Pickleball Lab is a way for us to pay the bills. If you like the kind of work we do at Third Shot Sports, if you like the videos we make, if you like the newsletters we put out, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, the live streaming that we do, well, that costs money and it takes time and it takes resources. So here's the win-win situation. If you go over to thepickleballlab.com, try it out. Take it for a test spin. You get a 15-day free trial. You can see what it's all about. It's not going to cost you anything. And if you don't like it, just cancel before the end of the 15 days. No harm, no foul. But if you do like it, if you do find it valuable, and if you do want to support the work that we're doing at the Pickleball Lab and at Third Shot Sports, well, great. You'll know that your little bit of support, 99 bucks for the entire year, helps us keep the lights on and helps us keep doing the great work that we try to do every day. All right. Thanks for heading over to thepickballlab.com. Back to the end of my conversation with Frank. I texted with you earlier today to set up this call, and um, you're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, happy to do it. Just got to do it later. I'm on the court training from 11 to 4. And, and I was like, wow, 11 to 4. That's like, it's a serious training period. I'm sure there's people out there who are trying to figure out how is it that someone can spend this time, like put in this commitment, traveling, training, competing, but at the same time, they have this professional life. And at the same time, they also have a personal life, right? You mentioned your wife, Josie. And like, can you say something about how you sort of manage to have all these balls in the air at once, seemingly? Yeah, of course. So I I am kind of lucky there. I I do have a very full-time job, but it is a remote job. So I do have that. I travel a ton for work, but if I'm home, I can kind of, well, even on the road and at home, I can control my own schedule, right? So if, if I get done the project I need to do or the, the work that I need to do, you know, I can kind of do whatever I want from that point. So I can schedule, you know, like what I'll do, for example, is when I'm home, I'll text Colin and say like, what time are you available? And then, I can get my work done around that. You have this time. You only need eight hours of sleep. I mean, that's what everybody says. And, you know, I often would find myself in the past sleeping for 10, 10 plus hours. And that's, that's two extra hours you could add on to your day. So wake up a little bit earlier, get a workout in, get a drill session in, you know, and, and, and you can find, you know, two hours a day. That's, you know, that's 10, 10 plus hours a week. Um, if you drill 10 plus hours a week or, or, or just intentionally practice 10 plus hours a week, you're going to get better. It's, there's, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's just, it's just going to happen. 
Right. And so the difference is, which I think, um, you know, between yourself and the other pros and maybe some of our listeners, like those 10 hours that you're putting in, that's not 10 hours of you playing games of pickleball. That's 10 hours of you going and like training, right? And so the the quantity of balls you're hitting, the number of reps you're getting in any given hour is far greater when you're putting in time training or doing deliberate practice as opposed to calling up some buddies and saying, hey, do you want to go play some pickleball? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly, I love rec playing, and I think it's really, really a fun way to wind down. Like Friday nights for me, I kind of will, when I'm available, I'll do rec play and just kind of hit around and have fun with my friends and all that. But in as fun as it, as it is, it, it is kind of useless from a training perspective. It's not doing you any favors. Right. Pardon. I know that's kind of a cruel, a crude, crude perspective, uh, but it has a place, right? It's, it's not like fun is not necessarily training is not necessarily fun. Um, and I mean, if you're interested, I can, I can run you through what Colin and I's typical, typical day of, of training looks like. Well, I'd love to know. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you when you're like, okay, I'm here in San Diego. I'm out there training. So yeah, like I think people would love to know, like to get a taste of like, what does that training session look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what we do is a, a big bin of balls, um, and we play with, we, we specifically will pick whichever ball the next tournament is, and that's the ball that we'll do our drilling with, which is pretty important. So we start with um, just basic dinking, uh, cross courts. Um, we go forehand cross court dinking until that, and we do forehand cross court dinking until that ball bin is empty. Uh, and then we switch to backhand cross court dinking again until the ball court is empty. But that, um, that must take you that must take you a while because, I mean, elite players they don't miss dinks very often. So how long how long does it take you guys to go through a basket of balls on like let's say the cross court forehands? Between typically it takes between fifteen and thirty minutes. Okay. And we're not yeah, just talking about like standing in the corner, hitting balls back and forth. Presumably you're like, you're hitting that ball, you're recovering back to the middle of your box, you're going out wide for the next one, right? Like it's a very sort of dynamic kind of drill. Yeah, we try to, we try to make each other work. And um, one rule we have is if somebody pops one up, you just, you just whack it, punish them for it. And um, another rule we have is if wide, then the other person is perfectly able to hit it around the post. So they post practice and you get to get punished for hitting a bad dink. You don't want to be rewarded for something that isn't going to be rewarded in a real game situation. Right. So it's not just about hitting balls. It's about hitting balls with a certain amount of quality. Quality balls and quality rep is, is a huge factor for us. Okay. Got it. So you've hit your cross court forehands to the balls, to the baskets empty. You've hit backhands, cross court dinks to the baskets empty. Then what? Then we, uh, one of us goes back, and we do the same thing, forehand uh, third shot drops, and then uh, until the ball basket's empty, and then backhand uh, cross-court drops until the ball basket's empty, and then the other person gets to go. Can you um, tell me, can you tell me, I think, you know, some of our listeners will think, oh, wh like, why cross-court? Why cross-court? Because a lot of people you'll see when they're out warming up their drops, they'll hit drops too, but they'll often hit them down the line. Why is it that you and Colin are primarily hitting these drops cross-court? 
So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you don't, you don't typically generally want your thirds or drops, uh, down the line because the, the ball, the distance that the ball travels through the air is kind of your margin of error. And the shortest distance between two places is a straight line. So if you want to give yourself more margin for error going cross court, is just always a good idea. Um, the second reason is the net is just slightly higher down the line. Um, so you, you are introducing a little bit more risk if you go down the line. So that, that'd be the two primary reasons. Um, the reason is specifically, you know, you might be aiming for your, it's back, you know, so, and that's, that's going to be cross court from you on one end. On the other end, you'd be hitting your forehand, which is typically an easier drop to hit. So you have more control of it. But if you're going from your weaker side, you'd probably want to go to their weaker side. So backhand, backhand, that makes sense to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So primarily you've got more room to work with when you hit on the diagonal, both because you've got more sort of space, um, you know, to get that ball low so it can't be attacked and you've got the lower net to work with. Correct. Yeah. The, the, the ball flight path, it, it's the ball has more time to stay in the air and, and it can drop. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, all right. So here you are, you're at the baseline hitting drop after drop after drop. And presumably if it's a high drop, like if it's a poor drop, then the guy at the net punishes you and puts it away. Correct. Yet yeah. at the same time that you're working on your drops, the other, um, partner is so it's kind of like they're trying to keep me back even though i'm not i'm not really coming forward i'm just going to hit another drop hit another drop but they're really trying to to put something on the ball and place it with depth or you know figure out like you know a certain type of spin that you want to put on the ball uh, kind of a, a great drill volleying as well gotcha okay so you've hit a bunch of drops till the basket's empty you then switch roles so now the guy who was at the net is now hitting the drops and the guy who was hitting drops is now at the net. Okay. What do you do after that? The next thing we do is serves and returns from each, each side. So one person goes, the person's returning the entire time and then we switch serve and return. And we'll leave it there. Thanks to my guest, Frank Anthony Davis, for joining us today. Looking forward to watching him at the Margaritaville USA Pickleball Nationals coming up next week in Indian Wells, California. I'll be there doing live streaming for the event. Also, thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation and you like the more in-depth kind of projects that we're doing, I really encourage you to check out thepickleballlab.com. It's our subscription based program, and we do all sorts of exclusive videos, articles, and a whole bunch more. So check it out at thepickleballlab.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>